Good morning, my church family. It's just I love that family sense that we get here, and I always get that. When I was, um, my name is Christine Skull. I'm a leadership team here at Crestmont. If you don't know me, hi, nice to meet you. Um, but when I remember being here for the first time and sitting in a room full of strangers, I think we all had a first time sometime. Some of you were quite small, but. Uh, and seeing that, and I was thinking to myself, how long will I be here before I look around this room and feel like this is my home, my family? And I ran into somebody else, and they said, you know, unsolicited, it took me about two years before I came in here, and I looked around, and I said, I know that person, I know that person, I know that person, and these are my people. So if you have come to Crestmont, just, I just, on this family day, we're feeling so connected, and you don't feel like you're connected yet, hang in there with us. If you can join a smaller gathering, that's where the secret sauce is, in my opinion. This is all wonderful, but we really get to know each other and support each other in smaller gatherings, a little commercial for that. As Joel said, we are continuing on our journey toward Easter morning, which is the resurrection, but we're journeying with Jesus through this night that he was betrayed. And last week, we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is the oil or olive press, is the translation of that, where Jesus is being pressed we see his, that he is taking on our suffering, our grief, and that he was unsupported in that moment by his disciples. They all fell asleep, and he was alone in that suffering and in that grief. But he took on that cup that we said was God's wrath and the suffering and the betrayal and the whipping and the torture and the death, and he looked at that cup. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. So we're looking more into today the cup that Jesus drank for us. We're going to look into that today. And I don't want to take us too far away from this passage because I want you to be able to step into that with him. So let's stand in honor of God's word. And I'm going to be reading our passage today. Um, and let's really try and meditate on the experience of Jesus in the garden that night. From Matthew. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. And then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. And with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword and drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? In the hour Jesus said to the crowd, I am, in that hour Jesus said to the crowd, I am leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me. Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. 
But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples deserted him and fled. You may be seated. Let's take a moment and bow our heads and pray. I would like you to take just a moment of silence and in your own heart, invite the Holy Spirit to come in and sit with you and invite him to teach you through the scripture. Holy Spirit of Rabbi Jesus, sent by God the Father, the God of love, come and sit with us today. Lord, you were there that night. You endured this with us, for us, instead of us. Teach us what that meant. Teach us what that, meant to, that means to us today. Lord, we commit this time to you, and we invite you to do your good and holy, perfect work in us. Nourish our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. What kept ringing through my head as I was preparing for this sermon was on the night he was betrayed, on the night he was betrayed, on the night he was betrayed. And that's always the first introductory phrase to our communion service, on the night he was betrayed. And so often these sermons are divided up by weeks like we are doing as we walk toward the service. We look at each one of this. But this is all a very quick succession of events. This is dinner, after dinner in the garden, late at night overnight, the next morning, and by the next afternoon, he's on the cross. This is all happening quite quickly in, in events and going from one thing to the next thing into the next thing. And this is the night that he was betrayed. It's how we describe this night, that he was betrayed. And in this passage, I clearly saw three betrayals, the betrayal of Judas, the betrayal of Peter, and the betrayal of the crowd. And I'd like for us to just keep going through this passage over and over again. If I could give you a gift today, it would be that you would walk out of here with this passage and this picture and this image in your mind that the Lord may take it through the week and bring things to your memory and continue teaching this word to you all week long. So we're going to stay in the garden for as much as we can today. And we're really going to look at these three things and really sit with Jesus in the experience that he had in these betrayals. So I just quickly looked up the word betrayal. It's not going to be, it's going to be a Captain Obvious moment. It means what you think it means. But I'm just going to say it, that to betray means to lead astray, to deliver an enemy by treachery, or to fail or desert especially in a time of need. So what this said to me was that betrayal kind of has two sides. There's the active side and there's the passive side. So back just prior to this, I saw Jesus saying, won't you stay up with me for one hour and pray with me? That was last week's sermon. And by betrayal, they fell asleep and he was alone. And that was a, that was a passive or a neglectful betrayal of Jesus, of that friendship. But today we have a very active, abusive betrayal of Jesus, where it is treacherous, where it is controversial. It's, it's coming against and battling Jesus. And that's what we're looking at today. But we know that be betrayal really doesn't hurt very much unless the person is closer to you. And the closer that person is to you, the greater the pain of the betrayal. 
So we're going to look at these three betrayals, and we're going to look at Jesus' response to them. So we will look first at Judas's betrayal. And Jesus was betrayed by the last disciple. So again, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him and was in a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs sent by the chief priests and elders and people. And now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, the one I kiss is the man, arrest him. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. So this betrayal of Judas, as we just look at his character, let's, let's just remember what we know about Judas. Judas was chosen by Jesus. After a night of fasting and prayer, he was one of the chosen ones. He was one of the 12. Ju- Judas traveled with Jesus for three years, just like all the other disciples did. He was in the in crowd. He heard all the teaching. He witnessed the miracles. He did part of the ministry. The disciples were sent out as 12 and 72s and did part of that ministry with Jesus. He experienced firsthand the power of who Jesus was and had the unique privilege of observing in person God in the flesh mirroring the Father on earth. Then he handled all the money. We know that. And all the disciples as we read in our reading earlier, were surprised that Judas was the betrayer. They were saying, who is it, Lord? Who is it, Lord? So there wasn't this rogue, um, surly, controversial disciple all the way through. They were a band. They were brothers. They didn't know who was going to be the betrayer. They were all surprised that it was Judas. And then finally, it was interesting, all of these accounts of this betrayal are in all four Gospels. And if you read them all and summarize them, you can see that it's not, it wasn't really necessary for Jesus to be betrayed, um, Judas to betray Jesus, because Jesus offered himself. Even before Judas, on another account, kissed him on the cheek, he was asked, are you the son of man? And he says, I am he. I am he. So we know that even without the betrayal, it's not Judas's fault. It was Jesus's choice to take on the arrest, the trial, the torture, and the death. It was Jesus's choice. But Jesus's response, I couldn't capture so well as this commentary did. So if you will allow me, I'm going to read straight from it because it's so beautifully written that I couldn't do it justice. It would be like me singing opera or something. It wouldn't be that beautiful. So a quote from this compromise, surely if there was a man who might have been supposed to be excluded from the love of God, it was Judas. Surely if there ever was a moment in a human life where one might have supposed that even Christ's ever open heart would shut itself altogether against anyone, it was this moment. But no, the betrayer, in the very instant of his treason, has that changeless tenderness lingering around him. And he has that merciful hand beckoning him still. And have we not a right to generalize this wonderful fact and declare it teaching be that, in, that the love of God is extended to all of us and it cannot be made to turn away from us by any of our sins? 
Sin is mighty. It can work endless evils on us. It can disturb and embitter all of our relations with God. It can make it necessary for the tenderest grace of God to come in disciplining, to come with the rod of God. But one thing it cannot do, and that is to make God cease to love us. In that moment, Jesus loved Judas completely. Jesus never shut the door on Judas. Jesus was true to his friendship and his bond of companionship with Judas, even in that moment. It made me love him more. So let's look, let's look at the next betrayal. This is the betrayal of Peter, and Jesus was betrayed by the first disciple. So now it's common in Scripture for disciples, the disciples to be listed in order of intimacy. So we hear Peter, James, and John, blah, da, 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 all the rest of them, and then Judas. So we know that there was, I don't know, that probably came after with the writing. I don't know if they went around counting off by intimacy with Jesus. Um, but we all know from this point in Scripture, as we're looking back into it, we say, oh, Peter, James, and John, that was the inner circle. And Peter was the best friend. Peter was the number one guy. And we see, if we just highlight him out for a moment, we see that Jesus, number one, said, Peter, back at the dinner, you're going to betray me two time, three times. And he said, no, no, not I. And then we see in last week's sermon that he ran away, that he fell asleep, that he stayed, but he fell asleep. Now this week, we see him acting rashly, pulling out his sword. And then we'll, we'll see in the subsequent sermons and parts of the story that he denies Christ three times. But all of that denial and betrayal of Jesus did not stop Jesus from restoring him again at the end and bringing him back into fellowship with him. It didn't disqualify him or discredit him, which is a great comfort to me. So the men stepped forward, reading this passage again, and seized and arrested Jesus, and with that one of Jesus' companions, we know it's Peter, reached for his sword, drew it out, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? I find it really interesting that Peter fell asleep during the part where Jesus was aligning himself with the will of the Father. And G Peter was not aligned with Jesus in that moment. He didn't get his instructions. He didn't know the plan. So in the moment of that attack, Peter acts impulsively according to his own will. Now let's think about it for a minute. If Peter physically starts a war with the temple guards and the Roman soldiers that come to arrest Jesus, he is going to lose. There's two swords among all the disciples, and there's about a thousand people coming to arrest Jesus. It's a fool's errand. It's an impulse. Jesus is protecting Peter and saying, Peter, put away your sword. Number one, you're going get, to get killed. 
But number two, this isn't the plan, Peter. You didn't align yourself with the Father's will. And the other beautiful thing I love about this is that Jesus knows that the Father loves him so much that if Jesus wanted to, he could have changed the plan. He says, I could call down legions. So if Jesus starts the fight, he's going to win. If Peter starts the fight, he is going to lose. If Jesus starts the fight, he's going to win. The most important thing for Peter to do is to align himself with the will of Jesus. Are you feeling the application in your own life? You, I don't have to say it, right? Okay, we get that. Jesus has got a plan. God has got a plan. When we submit and we align ourselves with Jesus and the Father, we will win. We will win. Okay, so. Obedience must govern zeal. We have to be in alignment with Jesus in order to experience that victory and really understand what his plan is in that moment. Let's look at the third betrayal. And this is the crowd. And Jesus was betrayed by all of the disciples. Reading this next passage. In the hour that Jesus said to the crowd, I'm leading a rebellion, that am I leading a rebellion that, I have, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat at the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets may be fulfilled. And then all the disciples deserted him and fled. I found it very interesting that these were the Jewish people. So Jesus was Jewish, and he came first to the Jews and then the Gentiles. He came to save his chosen people, and they rejected him and arrested him. He was betrayed by them. The Romans were just protecting their self-interests and trying to keep a crowd of unruly Jews at Passover down, peaceful. But they betrayed Jesus, too, because he'd done nothing wrong. And arresting him was out of line. The last disciple, Judas, betrayed him. And the first disciple, Peter, betrayed him. And finally, every other disciple in between Jesus betrayed him. And in this passage, we can see he was betrayed from the first to the last. He was betrayed by his whole people and by the rest of the world. And I believe God is showing us to look at Jesus saying the cup of suffering that he had to drink was the cup of betrayal by everyone. Everyone betrayed Jesus in that moment, and Jesus was betrayed alone. He walked the road all by himself. As I sit in the garden with Jesus, my affection for him grows. My heart swells. Quickly, the prophecy that he's fulfilling is Isaiah 53.3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, by you and by me, a man of suffering familiar with pain. Like one from, pe from whom the people hide their faces, he was des despised, and we held him in low esteem. 
Zechariah 13, 7 says, Awake, sword, against the, my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And then Jesus himself, on the night he was de- betrayed, quotes that verse. And he said to them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Sometimes we have to have blind faith, and we don't know exactly all the time the suffering that God is calling to us to. But Jesus, with everything revealed, knows exactly what he's going to have to go through, and he gave God the Father his yes. And it was because of the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And part of the cross was not just the piercing of his hands and feet. Part of the cross was drinking the cup of suffering of being betrayed by his closest friends. And I don't know if you can identify with that, but I I have been betrayed because we are in a fallen world and we betray each other, do we not? (laughs) And I think each one of us has drunk a part of that together. So let's answer these questions. Who is God? God is. Because of his love for us, God is betrayed. I could say was betrayed on that night, but isn't it true that we are all betrayers? Whether we are the first disciple or the last disciple, that either by neglect or by abuse, we are opposed to God in moments that we elevate ourselves. So God is betrayed by us, but he chooses to be betrayed by us because of his love for us. He wants a relationship with us. So he said, it's okay. I know you are going to betray me. I know you are not going to be faithful to me, but I am a God who loves so much that I'm willing to be betrayed. So who are we in light of who God is? We are betrayers. And because Jesus loves me, we are betrayed. So we know that in our fallen nature and our weakness, we will betray God, we will betray others. But because of God's love for us, because of his strong spirit that lives inside of us, we can also choose to love even to the point of being betrayed. He can empower us to walk in relationships where we have to risk being betrayed. It's funny, in our human thinking, see if this is true of you. When I betray someone else, I really expect mercy. I really say, you know what? Well, I know I didn't do that right. I'm really sorry I did that. But let me tell you about all the things that happened in my life that led up to that moment. And I really didn't, you know, it's not that I want to be a betrayer. And I know that must have hurt you. This is kind of how my thought process and a lot of people's thought processes go of, I'm going to have There are all of these reasons why I might betray you. And so when I am in that moment and I actually realize that I've caused you pain by betraying betraying you, not meeting your expectations, I really am expecting and hoping for mercy. But when I'm standing in the moment where you have betrayed me, I want justice. I want you to understand that what you did to me is wrong and I really don't care about the reasons why. I think that you need to do something to make this better. 
because you are responsible for your actions. And I'm split right down the middle. You know, I can, I can totally see me. This is like a window into me. If you're not like that, then this is a window into me where I am saying I, I want mercy when I betray, but I want justice when I am betrayed. But God says in Micah 6, 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's what he requires of us. That in this moment where I have been betrayed, I am to love mercy for you. I am to love mercy. And in this moment right here, I am to love mercy. But what is required of me is to act justly and to have the spirit of Jesus who has never betrayed. He has never betrayed. So in this, what is God saying to me? He's saying I can love the betrayer because Jesus loves me, a betrayer. And what am I going to do about it? Love others. Risk being betrayed. Seek and accept the comfort of God in our betrayals. There is, you can't uniformly apply loving others as doing whatever they want. Loving others is aligning ourselves with God and doing what God wills for that person in that situation. The loving thing for that person may be to not let them betray, that there are boundaries set up there. That might be the loving thing, but still coming closer and always having that door open of restoration, of mercy for that person to come back. When I was in a moment of deep betrayal, I couldn't get out of bed. I was just in that, I was, I was so wounded, so depressed that I was laying in, in bed crying, and I just said, not today. I can't get out today. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And as I had my eyes closed, couldn't pray, I couldn't read scripture, I couldn't do any of the things I would, I just closed my eyes, and this vision came in front of me. And the vision was I was sitting on a hill, and there was grass blowing. It was nice weather. And I was sitting, I don't know why, just with my knees tucked up, holding my knees, and I was just gazing out at endless hills and fields with blowing grasses. And out of the corner of my eye, I could sense that Jesus was sitting right next to me. And he had the same posture that I had. He was, his legs were tucked up, and he did not say anything. He said, I will sit with you. And that was, my, that was in the deepest part of my soul. No human could sit with me in the deepest part of my soul. Nobody could touch that pain in my soul. But Jesus... Because he drank the cup of suffering, because he drank the betrayal, he was able to sit with me there. He sat in that place of betrayal by himself so that I never have to sit in that place by myself. 
Jesus will always sit with you when you are betrayed. He will always be with you in the deepest part of your pain. He is the only one that can, and it is because he chose to drink that cup of suffering alone that we never have to suffer alone, that he is our dearest and our very best friend. And we try and bring at Crestmont that comfort to one another. Second Corinthians 1, 4, and 5 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Jesus Christ. Be comforted.